and welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, an Oscar Sprint Profile, covering JoJo Rabbit for you on this November 2nd, or, you know, the first weekend in November, which is the same weekend that Scrooge from 1970 was released some, I don't know, what's math, 49 years ago, the Albert Finney uh, adaptation (laughs) of the Charles Dickens novel. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike, and Michael, uh, 1940s, mid-1940s was not a good time to be a Nazi. Not the same for 2019 America, but how do you do today? I do well. That is one of the more loaded intros in a while because I missed Albert Finney. You asked me if how I do after saying stuff about Nazis. I don't even. I, I blacked out a little bit. Yeah, I got, it's I got fair. afraid like a frightened rabbit. I Paralyzed guess. with fear, like yes. a rabbit surrounded yeah. by Hitler youth. Yes, that's a good place to start today. That's what we're covering today. Jojo Rabbit giving you the full Oscar Sprint profile breakdown. If you've not joined us before for an OSP, what they are, are two reviews for the price of one. We have a non-spoiler section for the first half, a spoiler warning that leads you into the spoiler-filled review portion, which is the second half of each one of these. So if you've not seen the movie yet, don't worry. You're in a safe space here. All non-spoiler reviews for the first half of every OSP, including this one. We'll be talking about the performances. We'll hold it up to an Oscar lens, the box office numbers, all that fun stuff. Then we have, like I said, a spoiler warning. Our highs and lows, our favorites, our non-favorites, some interesting plot questions. We'll go through all of it in the spoiler section of the review. That'll be in the second half of every episode of the OSP. So do not worry. Like I said, if you've not seen the movie yet, uh, you are okay here. If you want to hear our thoughts on the spoilers, that's in the second half of all these OSP episodes. Let's start, Michael, with a production profile of Jojo Rabbit to get going. Yeah, written and directed by Taika Waititi of (laughs) Boy, What We Do in the Shadows, The Hunt for the Wilder People, and Thor Ragnarok. He will also be directing the sequel to Thor Ragnarok, Thor Love and Thunder. Very excited about that. the greatest name in MCU history. (laughs) It's it's, it's phenomenal. (laughs) Jojo Rabbit is based on a novel, Caging Skies, by Christine Lunens. This is not something I was aware of. I thought this was an original property. This seems to be an adapted. If I had to bet a lot of money. Right. Of course. Uh, I would have bet. Shocking to me. But okay, I guess this is going to be competing in the adapted screenplay category if it gets there. More on that later. Uh, Jojo Rabbit stars Roman Griffith Davis. He is the titular character Jojo here. Archie Yates plays Yorkie in a really uh, steam-sealing performance, I would say. (laughs) Thomas and McKenzie, Scarlett Johansson, Sam Rockwell, Rebel Wilson, and Taika Waititi himself also have roles within this film, uh, too. Yeah, a lot of big names. Sure. Uh, And a lot of big names in the crew, Mike. We have music by Michael... Michael Giacchino! Yes. (laughs) From Up, Ratatouille, and Inside Out. Production design is by Rob Vincent from What We Do in the Shadows, all of the Hobbit movies. And then cinematography is by Mihair Malamare Jr., cinematographer of The Master. And you were very high on the cinematography oh, yeah. of this movie. I, As you are with scores, I must be with cinematography sometimes because I didn't notice anything that special. But. You noticed the, the music. Yeah. I noticed <laughs> the cinematography. All right, we're good. We're good for production. Value. We have one whole critic between us. Uh, this had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival earlier in September, September 8th, where it eventually won... You know, that People's Choice Award that they give oh, out there. <laughs> the Grolsch, is that right? Yeah, Grolsch? I can it. never say it properly. Yeah. People's Choice Award. Uh, the production companies are TSG Entertainment, Defender Films, and Peaky Films, I think. Uh, Fox Searchlight is the distributor, and Jojo Rabbit runs 108 minutes with a PG-13 rating. Critics have been divided on this movie, Mike. We have a meta score at 58. We have a Rotten Tomatoes score at 79% on 221 reviews. And that recent number is something that came up from around 49%, 50%. Yeah, it wasn't we've, good out of the gates. We've been covering this for a while. That, that number's been fluctuating. Audience ratings, we have a 7.7 on IMDb. That's early, 3,400. Mm-hmm. And when it's really early on Rotten Tomatoes right now, 98% on only 356 ratings there. On the audience side, not the critics side. Important to differentiate. Yes. Uh, comedy or musical is going to be the category at the Golden Globes, as we just covered on MMOW. Proper. And this movie is winning for cinematography and production design at the Hollywood Film Awards. Again, production design I can see. Maybe I'm blind. I I don't know. We got caught up in the music, which there is some. We have established that I had my glasses. All right. The plot premise, a young boy in Hitler's army finds out his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their home. That's pretty all-encompassing for what this movie was. Yes, it's that's the story, but it doesn't hint at the tone of the movie no, at all. It doesn't not hint at all. <laughs> satire that it's a comedy. This is not a movie to just 
go and see at the theater. Like, you've got to be ready for this, I would think, right? Yeah, it adds to the lineage that 2019 is giving us. We're getting kind of all different takes of movies that we've never really seen before. And you said walking out, you can't understand why some one performance is being seen so highly. And my retort to that is because people crave originality. And we've certainly gotten our share of even studio pictures uh, of filling that originality void. And you can see... In some aspects, why, like we reported about when Disney acquired Fox, they had mm-hmm. a little trepidation about putting this one out there, though I think it's a good thing they did, is where I'll land on it. I would agree, yeah. and to talk about our expectations going mm-hmm. into this thing, I was worried this was going to become my anything but this for Best mm-hmm. Picture award, mm-hmm. and... We we've gone into the last few Oscars with The Shape of Water and Green Book saying anything yep. but these. Mm-hmm. And of course, in a self-fulfilling prophecy, <laughs> it happens and we're very upset at the end of the night. And the Producers Guild is the main reason why we're upset. <laughs> the Grosch Audience Award, People's Choice Award, is another one of those reasons. They've been picking these movies of late that we think are strong, right? I mean, I think the last three movies we we gave Bs or B-pluses yeah. to that have won Best Pictures or Gross Awards. This is of a similar vein for me. I know you're going to rate it much higher than those last two Best Picture winners. So this didn't fall into that trap for you. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't be upset if this one makes a lot of noise in big categories in the lead-up to and through Oscar Sunday. I don't know that I expect it to, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could I could see it being polarizing in some aspects. I could see we've already known some some top line people that have that also sure. are pointing out issues with it. And the meta score speaks for itself. Usually, if you're in the fifties, you're not going to win a Best Picture Oscar because you're pretty polarizing. Now, again, you could talk about whether the uh, the preferential balloting comes into play. Is this going to be the type of movie that maybe is a lot of third places in a wide open Best Picture year? We'll get into more of that, I guess, uh, when we talk about the Oscars. But yeah, I am higher on this than I was uh, to, to answer your question that uh, you asked a while ago because I was just talking nonstop. I am higher on this than I was in The Shape of Water than I was on Green Book, and I would not be as off-put if this one had success. All that being said, I think we we like we both like the movie a lot. Yes. I just don't know if I'm going to like it as a best picture contender at the end of the day. But there's a lot to love, and let's get into some of these non-spoiler reviews here. Production values right off the bat. I think this is my favorite cinematography of the year. It reminds me Why? Of, Tell me why. Because what did I miss? The, the look of it is so Wes Anderson-y. I, I just yes. think Berlin is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, the exteriors are just nature gasms, right? I mean, they're in the woods there. I, I was a camp counselor, so I love being at home with nature. And you got the slow motion with perfect pixelation. Again, you're blind as a wombat. No, see. I can see. And I can see the perfect pixelation. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll quabble with one of those because I felt like the one scene that I thought was overly artsy with a camera was when they're sitting. And again, the first part of the movie takes place like a... a boys weekend retreat this cub scout retreat in the woods like you're talking about which is preposterous by the way for the record <laughs> yeah probably yeah and the one shot i thought was kind of artsy was he was looking at the teepees the boys were staying in through the embers of the book burning flame that they had just kind of uh set on, yeah. on fire themselves and i thought okay i that's that's a nice shot I thought Terrence, the, the preview we saw for a hidden life by Terrence malick was more impressive than anything i saw in this movie well the th- Terrence Malick is known to be right. impressive. I, I think I could go into that and, and come out of it and saying, all right, this is going to win Best Cinematography. Right. That's very showy, just in the trailer alone. So you were happily surprised one. by this. What I've seen thus far in theaters, in terms of pure visuals, like this movie makes me very happy. Okay, It good. really does. I just think interiors, the production design, every set tells you so much about the characters. It's kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in that regard. Uh, do I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood moves the camera better? Yes. Do I think Par- Parasite, uh, they move the camera better in that film? Yes. But uh, just Ad in Astra. terms of the mise-en-scene, I-, I like this more than Ad Astra. Okay. I was really excited to see this again. Uh, with you today and I think a lot of that was because like I'm gonna just be happy with a Wes Anderson movie and 
type of visuals. Right. And Mike, why is that true? Because there's swastikas all over the place. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with me? Uh, well, to, to fill in our Joker review, maybe that's because you had a big glaring like thing putting this in a yeah. box saying all this is wrong. Well, that's a big yeah. thing about it. We're, we're getting there. We're building to that big argument or that big discussion, I guess. But in, in terms of the visuals, I, I think this movie is, is definitely something that I'm shocked to say is one of my favorites of the year this far. A lot of great visuals. I love the production design. I don't know that the cinematography wowed me, but I can understand if I'm in the minority about that. Maybe I was just blind. So editing, I thought this was very polished too. I mean, overall, I think production values for Taika Waititi, other than maybe Thor Ragnarok, this is his highest level thus far. See, here's my stance on this, and it's something I told you in the pre-production here. I think these are all best picture contenders, mm -hmm. and they're all like Oscar contenders for a reason. And I think you don't get to this level without the editing, it looking pretty, the right. film looking very polished, it looking like, you know, a professional movie. So I think when we get to the Oscar stage, we're all splitting hairs anyway. So for something to kind of blow my hair back in editing or set design or anything like that, it, I, I want it to be something that I'm not used to seeing, and I don't know that this rises... I, I mean, it looks very professional. I agree. I don't know that I would advocate for its editing or its set design, but again, I, I could be in the minority, and I'd be okay with that, too, because it looks like a great movie. It does look like a great movie. I guess we'll agree to both agree <laughs> to different levels of agreement. Yeah. I think that's the level that works. of agreement we have. All right, so now... I notice the visuals. You notice the music. T talk to me about the music because I'm score deaf. I'm just score deaf. Well, there's a reason. Yeah, I can't blame you too much. The score isn't the most important musical aspect of this film. To mm -hmm. me, the most standout musical piece was the beginning and the end. There's two very well-known songs played. Yes. And the the first opening credits, you're greeted with a German version of I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. Yes. And it's romanticizing Hitler coming over like the Beatles came over to America in the 60s <laughs> with wild fans and loud cheering. And, except that it happens to all be Nazis. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a very, very cool and artistic choice. And it's real footage, too. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, this all happened. <laughs> and it, so even if people get, like, mad at that, like, why would you liken it to that? Well, it was, was to those to some people agree. absolutely yeah. i think yeah i think that's the point he's making i mean this was something that that's historically accurate fans of the beatles and one direction and any boy <laughs> band since they were doing those same type of fan things for hitler yeah. back then and it was insane to watch that i mean again this is all stuff in the trailer for the most part i guess that's a scene one well the, and the other thing spoiler. in the trailer is you know in the closing credits you're greeted with another right. song that's in the trailer as well right. so i think those are the two standouts from the musical point of view as far as what you're going to leave the theater remembering the score itself giacchino's score it was very the montages were very sad it was very reliant on some like single note piano key hitting mm -hmm. which drew you in i mean it did enough it set the mood it was beautiful i'll tell you why i almost cried at the end to be honest with you yeah. and i think that's it due very in nice. part to the score but again you're not going to leave the theater, I don't think, thinking this is one of Giacchino's best scores when you compare it to, like, Up, which was maybe the greatest score of all time that he did. True, and yet subliminally it might have worked. Yeah, oh really, yeah, it really absolutely well. hit the mark, because no question. Because I'm absorbed, and even though I, I saw it this for a second time, and I told myself after the first time, I had no recollection of the score, <laughs> write something down for the score this time, and I forgot again. Mm -hmm. I forgot again, because I, I, was, I was absorbed, so that's a good, you know, uh, feather in this movie's cap here. Performances, Mike. I got to stop seeing Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie movies because they only awesome. make me cry. She's great. Yeah, <laughs> she's she so does. good. I love her. She's going to be phenomenal. And I think she's phenomenal in this one as well. I know she's not quote unquote, you know, the lead. She's not the titular character, but she does play a lead. And that's surprising that she's being considered in supporting actress in a way. You think so? Yeah. Yes and no. Because is she top billing? No. But in the structure of the screenplay, she's definitely the lead actress in the screenplay. See, I always default to let the title of the movie tell you something in this case. Like how people wanted to say Jamie Foxx was a supporting character in Django. It's like, nah, <laughs> it's called Django. You know, like that's how I, it's called Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. So, I, you know, but if there's a tiebreaker... Is she the lead actress in the film? I would agree with you. She's, you know, not the lead in the film, but is she the lead actress? She's the lead actress. I never, we're Oscar critics for three years now, and we still have quabbles with leads and supportings and debating this, and I would like it Well, it's not our stone. fault. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's not, not going to be written in stone, because no. the difference only applies to studios when they want to chase Oscars. 
So Scarlet Joe will, you know, jump on the grenade here. She'll go lead for this movie, and it won't get in. And Th- Thomas and Mackenzie will go supporting. I don't know. Are you of the considered. Are you of the f- idea that you need a lead, both a lead actor and lead actress, or can? Because to me, I, I'll be honest. Like the way I interpret no, this, that's, that's a good we point. had a lead actor and two supporting point. actresses. It's a good point. And then I think people always make the puzzles fit. And they rationalize it at the end. Absolutely, of the day. it's again, like it's Viola all studio Davis. posture. Viola Davis from Fences. Yep. Oh, she's not the lead in the movie, right. so we'll put her. But she's the lead of actress, course. so we'll put her in supporting. But then, uh, you know, somebody else is all right. She's not the lead in the movie, but she's the lead actress. We'll put her in lead. Yeah. This always happens. That's what we call category fraud, right? That's the big yes. phrase going around film yes. Twitter right now. For yes, yeah, yes. I, I, and again, it's all studio construct, like you know the Oscars are in general. <laughs> so I think, based on our laughter, we both love the Sam Rockwell character. Let me tell you something. A big, in a big Listen way. to me. I have not been more blown away and like impacted by a supporting character with so little screen time yeah. than like Alec Baldwin's everything that he does in every movie. Okay. Like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin is what I wrote down in my notes. The departed the, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. The, the, yes. Alec Baldwin in any role he gets is this guy. And Sam Rockwell, see, I mean, he was killing me. He's on screen for six minutes Maybe. total. Maybe. <laughs> that on a two hour movie and he was just gold. He, yes, he was hilarious, and Al, him and Alfie Allen are are, are yes. a joy to watch. Scarlett Johansson in this movie, what a character, is one of my favorite characters. Of yeah, the I can see that. I, I loved her so much, and what a year she is having, Mike. The three roles from Avengers Endgame to this, and then Marriage Story. It's going to be one of the strongest years in recent memory. Unless Adam Driver bests her in the same yeah. year from some of the same movies, from some of the same level blockbusters like Rise of Skywalker and she did Avengers. I mean, this is this is a huge year for those two. I was very impressed with the accents carried out, especially by her. Everyone had like a German yeah. tinge, and yeah. I'm always worried about that when I Me too. when there's no proof of it happening prior. Because in the trailers, I didn't hear enough of it. it yeah, exactly. It sounded like he was doing his normal yep. accent. But no, they, they did go for the German tinge on everything, so that, that worked. Uh, I, I think the supporting cast did a terrific job as well. I mean, we mentioned some, but Rebel Wilson's character, funny <laughs> every time. I If movies from here to eternity don't cast Rebel Wilson and Sam Rockwell as bit players from right. now on, pay them whatever their fee is and double <laughs> it maybe, but they, are, they just add so much to the little scenes. And, and finally, the two kids are excellent. I, I, I can't say a much, enough good things about them both. I think Roman Griffith Davis carries the movie. He's doing very it. capable. I mean, he's he has to be the, the straight man at times, but then he kind of has to play along. Yeah. He's got a lot of subtext to his scenes. It's not like it's, you know, it's just a little kid always doing little kid things. I mean, there's some heavy stuff he going carries, on. He carries all kinds of subtext in his face, which is a very polished and professional thing to do. We all know there's like a, a deep psychological break that's got to happen or that should right. happen because he goes in with Hitler as his imaginary friend. So you know he's going to be do, <laughs> doing battle within his own brain. Yeah. And he's playing all that. And I, I think he's got a, a really funny sidekick in Archie Yates as, as Yorkie there. Oh, I don't know horrible. what Yorkie is in the uh, <laughs> the layout, that kind of chaotic good, lawful neutral, that, no that, that paradigm I always like to talk about. Maybe. I think he might be the wisest character yeah. in this movie. Because to me, that character, not to cast aside what Roman Griffith David did, because I was impressed by him. And I, I think, you know, anytime we talk all the time about how if you're going to rely on scenes and have kids carry scenes, mm-hmm. they can make or break the movie. And he did a wonderful job, and he certainly made the movie, uh, at least in part there. But the Yorgi character, he has that there's no difference between Jews and Nazis figured out in the first scene. Yes. And he's got, like, he's just... He understands the way the world works, but he also understands I'm 11 and I just have to do what adults tell me to do because I have no agency in this world. He's he's got the whole world figured out. <laughs> he might be the wisest character in movie history. He should have been the mentor character <laughs> for Jojo Rabbit, but instead he's like sidelined in a bit. Yeah, in a bit absolutely. Part, but he's also you know he's, he's a comic relief. He's too. a touchstone. He's a comic relief. I I really enjoyed the, this entire cast. I thought they did a phenomenal agree, job. Agree. I could see an ensemble something breaking through. Could be. And I also wanted to drive home that Taika Waititi might be one of the best filmmakers who makes movies about kids you know and, oh good and that, point and that not a lot not enough people are doing that nowadays yeah. and I, he's made boy the hunt for the wilder people and now this 
he gets it. And I just, I've always, from Stand By Me, I mean, growing up, obviously, you love movies made about yourself, about kids. He can handle, I mean, can you imagine if he made It and It Chapter 2? Good point, yeah. Could he have done Great those? Point. I, I, would, I just think we don't have enough filmmakers, you know, giving that perspective he, he's pulling it wow up. that's not something i would have i would have thought i think that's a wonderful fantastic point i think you really hit on something yeah absolutely he's got this track record established track record already and aside from just his work with children he's able to put them in situations that adults can appreciate the film and the work they're doing to try and one-up myself i also think <laughs> that he's the best filmmaker i am so great yeah <laughs> the best filmmaker about vampire roommates <laughs> Okay, okay, so we can move on. Good. To yes. thoughts. I can't take compliments very well. It made me uncomfortable. Well, I tried. Adapted screenplay. This was seemingly... How? How? Who wrote this book? How? This I makes... I went into this. Like, yeah. when you see it come up on the opening credits and it's mm. based on the book, I was like, no. That shouldn't be. There's no way this is an adapted screenplay. I, I, I've never actually wanted to read source material before. I, I think I have to. Yeah. I, I that's agree. all I got out of that 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 notion, knowing that this is adapted. Now I can't, I have to know how well this was adapted from the written page. I'm going to put it on my audible yeah. and I'm going to read it. I'm and I don't read it. anymore. Like period. No. Yeah. Well, you should you should do Audible because it's got all the you know it's audiobooks. I went through you can law listen to school podcasts. and I'm done with books. Yeah, but you don't have to read it on the page. You can listen to it like in your car. I'm not a fan of learning anymore. <laughs> you just you get uh, anxiety. Yeah, I'm just about done. If, if somebody's lecturing to me, things. I'm out. But they're telling you a story. Socratic method. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> Back to adapted screenplay, <laughs> yes. please. We had Toy Story 4, Avengers Endgame. Those were early contenders mm-hmm. put out there that we uh, loved in particular. Recent contenders that everybody's saying are, are going to be there at the end of the day are the two popes, the Irishman, and uh, most recent news was Little Women. Yes. So, adapted screenplay, screenplay in general to me mm-hmm. is always effectiveness of script. Mm-hmm. And I always put an emphasis on degree of difficulty. And the degree of difficulty, if you were to describe this movie in a pitch, right? I mean, how high is the degree of difficulty to pull this off to actually be funny and high. charming and charismatic, you know? And, and, he, and he hit it. He nailed it out of the park. And again, of course, it's due in part to the performances and the ensemble, people like Cassidy. I get all that. But I, much like I feel like Avengers Endgame has to be nominated because it's so impossible to have a, a script with that much at stake and meaning that much to so many people, wrapping up that many storylines, having that many characters be as effective and universally loved as it was. This one has just an impossible degree of difficulty, especially in this SJW socially woke culture that we're all in where everyone gets offended and put on off by everything anyway. To pull it off and be this funny and charming, I think this has to be nominated as well there. I think it's going to be. And I, I'm shocked that I'm saying this yeah. at the end of the day. Same here. Especially after the polarizing reviews. Especially after, you know, you kind of study this category a little more. I mean, you got Hustlers in here. You got A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Joker and Just Mercy. And Clayton right now has, uh, Clayton Davis has Downton Abbey in his top five, Mike. How's your mother feel about that? <laughs> She's thrilled. <laughs> yes! Tickled pink. But I, I do think this category is shaping up to be much more competitive Agree. than we thought. And we thought last year's Adapted was going to be heavy, and it kind of kind of trailed off at the end. Some at pictures the beginning of the year, we thought yeah. this year was, too. Right, and, and we haven't heard anything. Saying, yep. Weak year, weak sauce, not going to happen right. for uh, Adapted Screenplay. But you, you were starting to hit on some, some big questions. This movie seems to have offended people because when I watch it, it's a pretty polished composition. I don't know how people can watch this as a movie and hate it as a movie if they're not offended by the quote-unquote ambitions of the subject matter in a way. Does that make sense? No, I think you're making a good point. I think that's where I fall too. I mean, to me, I don't see anything that's blatantly offensive but again, we're talking as someone that went to a Christian high school, somebody that we're was an altar server. Right. We have no experience being raised in that background with those, that history of, of those people. Family members who are right. still scarred by exactly. this. Exactly. So, so it's not really for us to say whether or not someone should be offended, I don't right. think. And if you are offended by what's portrayed here and you are of the Jewish faith and the Jewish heritage, sure, that makes sense to me. Makes sense. So I don't think we can get on anyone for kind of 
poking those issues and saying that it has it. It's not a lens that we're able to view through. I don't think it's a lens that anyone that's not of the Jewish faith is really able to view through. So if they're going to hold this movie, if the Academy, enough members of the Academy hold this movie, hold it against this movie for those reasons, I get it, right? I think that's where I'm landing on this. I think I can understand that. I'm I'm open to that. Yeah. I, I can understand how this movie, without being a very sophisticated satire on this issue. Like, because the whole question I had going into this movie was, is it worth it, Taika? Is it worth <laughs> That's it? That's what the question Disney had, too. And I guess you can add, you say the same of Tarantino. Yeah. I mean, is it worth it to go there? Are you going to have the payoff from going there? Is it going to be Now, to his credit, I think strong. he's been saying the right things. I mean, he yeah. said, I didn't do any character study on Hitler because he's a piece of shit, so why would anyone bother studying right. him? Like he, it's this, this is not a case of, should this movie have been made in terms of the director doesn't may not get the message himself, like some other movies we've covered recently. I think the director is very much in the know on this. Mm-hmm. Again, whether or not this the, the, the burdens of history apply to his lens, I don't, I'm not sure of, but I can, again, understand... If somebody else does feel that way to me as somebody who's fairly socially conscious, I didn't feel anything offensive from what my experience was or from experiences of people of any kind of lens I have. Yeah, I I think this movie is preaching to the choir and it's giving a sermon that is somewhat obvious in a way. And I was skeptical of the sermon going in, right? I was looking at it and say, why do you need to do this, right? Why do you need to provoke this amount of ire, especially with this stylistic choices of, you know, well, that we all heard going in. Sure. That he's going to do the Beatlemania thing for Hitler. And he's going to have Hitler be an imaginary friend. And he's going to make jokes as Hitler. And this is going to be, you know, problematic for some people. Right. For a lot of people. And we could see why. This, right, sure. This is not Dave Chappelle stand-up. This is not Bill Burr's stand-up where right. they are intentionally provoking you necessarily just to see how far they can push the envelope this is something that's trying to be this this next level satire i don't know if it reaches the next levels of my where i land on it there's also a conclusion you have to kind of come into this movie with like a universal truth or an understanding that nazis bad their ideals and their views bad Right. I, I don't think this movie was ever trying to say anything but that. Exactly. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't think that's up for close. Right. right. So I think if you can align yourself with that and agree that that's where Tyke is coming from, yeah, then I, that's how I viewed it, and that's why I don't think there's anything offensive. I mean, there are nuances. You sure. have good Germans. You have, you know, uh, characters that are that are dimensional, which yeah. is great, which is important In for this movie. a script yeah. that yeah. needs to work. Does this movie work tonally at all times? I would say in a very another surprise for me. This movie doesn't work tonally at times because some of the comedy isn't funny. And really, I, and it, I think it might be because we just went through a more dramatic scene, and it kind of diffuses what could have been funny. Okay. But he also doesn't try to hit a huge joke in the next scene. It's like he's got a a joke that might be a three. And he uses his jokes that are a 10 when it's going really mm. well. And he only uses a 3 maybe to just make somebody crack a smile some kind after of, a dramatic scene. You sounds know? like some kind of pacing issue maybe you're seeing. Maybe a pacing I mean, issue, but it definitely struck me both weird, both viewings. I didn't have that problem. I thought I kind of understood what he was going for at all times. I don't know that I felt any comedy was really out of place. I also didn't feel this was loaded with comedy. I think the high spots were very high, but I thought this took itself rather seriously. The Hitler scenes were spoofs, and I yes. got that. Yes, But Well, uh, it, you, I was surprised it took itself as seriously. Yeah, I, I would say I did too. I was yeah. too, yeah. Because it doesn't but, take itself seriously in many of the scenes. Certainly not when Hitler's on, on screen, but I think that's part of the that's filmmaking, part of it, right? That's, that's what he was going for. Anything else on the script, or let's finish up this Oscar lens, Mike? Uh, I... Don't really have all that much, I think. I got We got a couple questions we're going to address in spoilers section, so I think we can get there whenever you're ready if you want to start wrapping up. So cinematography and production design, those are my one-two right now mm-hmm. in terms of what I'm most wowed by in, in an Oscar lens. I would expect those two. Just my taste. And the Hollywood Film Awards. I did not go into <laughs> this document knowing that the, right. the Hollywood Film was awarding 
And I love the Hollywood Film Awards right now. Does it confirm my taste? Because how is this like coming away from this movie? Like cinematography, yes. Production design, yes. Yeah. And bam, it's getting those two awards. So I feel validated in, the, in that regard. Now, adapted screenplay, pro- probably. That's probably what saying. I'm highest on. Uh, yeah, that's probably what I would be highest on. I'd probably be second highest on some supporting role, probably Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie. So do you think she's going to get it? Clayton Davis has her at sixth right now on award circuit. She's right there. I mean, I would like to see it. Do I think I, you, we got to see? It's always tough to do these predictions before we know everything True. about everything. True. So I would like to see her at the end of the day just because I am such a huge fan. I thought she deserved to make it last year. Now, Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. in my mind, she might wind up being in my top five, top ten this year. Okay. I, I loved her yeah. in this movie. I thought she was terrific. She's not going to get in for this movie because she's so. getting in for Marriage Story. Yeah, I could see that playing against her. That o- always bumps the quote-unquote secondary performance if you have such a monster it's performance. The same somewhere. issue that Brad Pitt is facing right now as yeah. far as his Ad Astra lead and his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood supporting issue. But if he was not a supporting actor, if he was not in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he might be under more consideration for sure, Ad Astra. Right. He would be. Let's Especially be when it comes to an established brand like Brad Pitt, like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Well, we want to... Summarize Clayton's rankings here. Picture 7th, director 9th, supporting actor Watiti 11th, supporting actress Mackenzie 6th, adapted screenplay 2nd. He says production design and cinematography. He's more like you. He's lower on him. 12th and 10th. Costumes 15th. Editing 9th. Original score 8th. So it's not necessarily in, in the thick of things for award circuit at the moment. I know it is for other pundits out there. How many nominations at the end of the day? Do you think it's going to get? You could argue costumes too, with how well the they looked here. Um, I you could argue hair design too, with how Scarlett Johansson's hair and how Taika Waititi's hair looked. Mm. Um, I'll be conservative and say two. Really, that's it. Yeah, I'll be conservative. I, I, I don't see cinematography and set. Se- uh, all right. Two and a half. How's that? Uh, I'll put the over under at like two and a half or three. Uh, I really think, I think screenplay has to be, and I think it gets one definitely somewhere else. That's where I'm landing on. I'm not sure what that is. Again, for me, it'd be McKenzie, but I can see if the Hollywood Awards are that high. See, what I gathered from this, the only thing I got from this is you're a big fan of the Hollywood Awards right now, and I'm a big fan of Clayton Davis because we see it the same way. You do. So I have to be not be a fan of Clayton Davis? <laughs> you can I'm be trying whatever. to kiss You can ass, be whatever you want. I'm putting him in here. And, no, I, I, well, of course I'm a fan of both. But yeah. I, I think I'm more bullish on this movie getting nominations. It feels like a Best Picture nomination to me. It feels like adapted screenplay. It feels like cinematography and production design. I think those four are, are it's getting those four. And I, I would even say, like, I'm going to guess it's going to get one more in there. So I'm gonna say five, whether that's editing or original score or one of the uh, one of the somebody from the cast. I'll say this: I agree that if it's going to be a best picture nomination, it's going to have at least two or three other noms. So I think you're on the right track. There. I think it's five or six. I, ju- I I don't. I'm not sure yet if it's. I mean, you know, subject to change. Gun to my head right now, I would say it's out, but we'll see. That's very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Let's dance. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. 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 Spoiler section for the Oscar Sprint profile of Jojo Rabbit, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Go check it out. We'll be here waiting for you when you come back to hit play. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you cannot possibly go another minute without hearing our thoughts, this is where you want to be as my dog chimes in. Uh, This is the spoiler section for the Oscar Sprint profile to Jojo Rabbit from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We usually start with non-spoiler carryovers. We have none of those today, so we're going to go right into kind of dissecting dissecting this plot here, Michael, what did we think about the start of this movie? So Act 1 is a lot of fun. It's almost too much fun 
in many ways. We're almost guilty for having this much fun. But they're at the Hitler Youth Camp, and we're just having a ball. <laughs> what the fuck? We have Sam Rockwell just killing us. Oh, my God. And Rebel so Wilson just killing us. And then Yorkie out there killing us. And the climax, him, you know, after the big charge, throwing the grenade, and then hitting him, backfiring, and then, oh, my God. Sam Rockwell's line just floored me. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where a lot of the, the you have to come in here with some preconceived notions of right and wrong comes into because, yeah, we're having fun. These spoofs work because we know how absurdly wrong these people are. They're having a blast with book burning and describing what a Jewish person looks like mm-hmm. with scales and as a monster, as like the most despicable Nazis ever did describe mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. as. And we come in knowing that these people are so offensively wrong mm. that it's kind of being satirized. It's cartoonish. Right. How, how wrong they exactly. are. Exactly. And if the movie lived to that level of, I don't know, loudness about mm. it all, it wouldn't have worked. It almost only works I as I wholeheartedly like, agree. It only works as a setup, yep. right? It just gets you used to the craziness that's going to And ensue. letting you know it's, it, you know, it, it doesn't take itself so seriously that it can't make fun of what needs to be made fun of, too. Exactly. It's hyperbole. Right. To, to put a big word on it, I guess. So Act 2, he's in the hospital, but basically Act 2 is centered around the fact that he finds Elsa in the walls. Yeah, we don't really meet Scarlett Johansson as as JoJo's mother until the start of Act 2 here, and he, like you said, he's been scarred from this grenade accident now. He's wearing wounds of war, and he's got a, a disfigured face. His leg is still giving him troubles. He can't walk, so he's staying out of school, so when he's staying out of school, he's just kind of meandering around the house as his mother goes about his business. We learn that the mother is actually harboring the Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie character. She's living in the walls. And the mother basically gets him a job with Sam Rockwell's character who is demoted. So the yes. big question we had was, was Captain K, Sam Rockwell's character, was he always a good guy? Was he part of the resistance? I almost was tempted to ask. And now I'm asking it. Yeah. Because it's an interesting question. He's a friend of the mother, mm-hmm. and he seems to know that the mother is a good person. And he says the mother's a good person after all of that, right? right? And we know there's this underground resistance. They're leaving their flyers everywhere. And he admits right away, from the first time we see him on screen, this is a war the Germans are going to lose. We know we're losing. Yeah. We can't win. So there's certainly enough there to question Never mind what he does at the end of the movie sure. uh, and, and what he does bailing JoJo and Thomas and Harcourt yeah. McKenzie's, just bailing them out wholeheartedly when the Gestapo's at their Twice. door looking for them. So I don't know that he was part of the resistance or if he just had a good heart, but it's certainly a question worth investigating. It's strange bit. because he's fighting for the Nazis in the end. Holy, he wants holy, to yeah. fight a war. Right. He's Maybe he's just a soldier with a heart of gold. He just wants to fight and fire, but he knows the difference between right and wrong. Maybe he just respects JoJo's mother that much that he's looking out for her. If he respects the mother, why does he respect the mother? He respects the mother for what she's doing underground. Well, again, maybe he knows the difference between right and wrong. You know, maybe he's the grown-up version of Yorkie. Like, I I have to be here because these are my orders to be here, but I know this is the side of wrong, and I actively want us to lose. But I'm going to do my job. I'm a good soldier, but I understand you're doing what's objectively right and truthful. I wonder if they're trying to paint him as a more complex figure because he's a homosexual character with Alfie Allen. And a thousand, I mean, and a great ha- job drawn on that sexual tension too. We have TV. a society that was hunting True. homosexuals down and putting them into camps just like anybody. The LBGT community was being hunted down in that reality. Right. So it wouldn't be a surprise to me if he is part of the underground movement. I, I want to believe And thinking about it. it now, he's yeah. kind of just like, every time JoJo goes up to him to ask more about, like, what do I do if I find a Jewish person? He doesn't really give JoJo... He, he doesn't... He's not interested in JoJo's thoughts about it. He's like, oh, just, you know, somebody should write a book about it. He's always kind of sidestepping. He's yeah. not really ever yeah. saying, speaking abhorrently about the Jewish people or what a, a Jew might look like or anything like that. He's kind of just... He doesn't want the kid to tell him some real information. Right. And the fact that he comes to the house... Was that because yeah, yeah, Johansson yeah, yeah. was captured and then they came to the house? Because in a few scenes later, we realize that she's gone. She's dead. She was hanged. Right. When did the Gestapo know to come to the house? After they captured her or while they were looking for her when she got pinned? or See, my or interpretation of that was that the Gestapo went to the house. They had her already. They went to yeah. the house to investigate if she was holding anybody. And they also wanted to see if JoJo was going to be there to be cared for. I know you disagree with that. Well, but but then again, if they already had her already, like why? Like it doesn't make sense to me that they wouldn't tear the house limb from limb if they knew she was part of the resistance. 
And they didn't tear the house limb from limb. Then why did they kill her anyway if they didn't know that? I don't know. Like that's I think what... they did. See, that's why I think they did. Or at least they knew she was against the Reich. I think that Christine and Taika are trying to confuse us to give us both of these avenues. Could be. Because I mean, that's what good screenwriters do, right? I think so. I think so. But I there's there's definitely dimensions involved here. Sure, without and question. And Sam Rockwell really shouldn't be fighting for the Nazis if he's part of the underground. Or he shouldn't be fighting them so enthusiastically at the end. Fighting for on the, on the Nazi side or fighting right. against the resistance, yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. Every, it's a very multi-layered character. I would like... <laughs> You can talk about world building. Give us a movie about that guy's backstory. Yeah, yeah. What's he got? What's he got going on here? I don't want the Rebel Wilson story. She's just <laughs> she's just a bad funny, person. Bad yes. person. I want the Sam Rockwell. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Let's get into some bests and worsts. And we had two more questions for major plot lines here, Mike. But I, I think we're going to talk about the finale and bests. Does Taika Waititi find a tonal balance in this film? And how cutting was the satire? Can we frame? So, Best and worse with those those lenses? Yeah, I think the satire, I, I think it found its mark. And when I talk about whether it was just the satire or the tone overall, uh, yeah, it's probably a subjective answer. But to me, it was very clear where he stood with these things. Yes, I, I mean, but it's not cutting deep, is it? Like satire for the producers, it, right. it, it's about more things. Mm-hmm. It's about the film industry. It's about corrupt businessmen. It's about, you know, the fact that they would actually come up with such a nefarious plan to make a flop and make money off of it. Right. And I don't think there... I I feel like he thinks that's not that deep to cut. Like, he thinks Nazi bad, harboring a Jew good in World War II. I agree. It's not that... It's not deep. No. All those things I mentioned about the producers, that's before you get into anything about, you know, comedy about Nazism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I think this is a very masterful auteur who's very aware and hyper aware about what his goal is and what he's trying to do Uh, saying it's not a biting satire though to me doesn't mean that the emotional impact wasn't there because this is a very emotional story i think and i think the interpersonal relationships jump off the screen whether you're talking about scarlett johansson as a loving caring mother and a mother figure to thomas and horcourt mckenzie and knowing that she's got to do right by jojo but also needs to protect him from some of the ills of the world and that's why she needs him to kind of go into this hitler youth project even though she wholly disagrees with it my absolute favorite scenes of the film are scarlett johansson and jojo yeah and that dinner table scene where she pretends to be the father and it's an act the Wiping entire the ash time. across her face, so she looks so like, like a uh, beard. Yeah, and then she yells at JoJo, but it's part of the show, or she makes it part of the show, and she does this miming argument between the father who's non-existent. I, I just love that scene so much. There's so much charisma there. There's so much heart there. You love Scarlett Joe's character, and she breaks his chops all the time. This kid, she. I love that fact. You don't get enough of that in movies. You know parents that tease their kids right. that yeah. are that kind of playful but they also are so you know wise that they're able to convey these lessons trying to, to mature you yeah it's very much the uh life is beautiful roberto benini yeah 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 and i think that was you know a callback to that movie which you're is, absolutely right i loved all the stuff on uh, on the bikes uh, at the bridge you know the clicking of the shoes, the dancing stuff, mm-hmm. and the, the zoom-ins on the shoe. And then, you, so you know a couple different yeah, times. Yeah, you don't ever see Scarlett Johansson hanging. You just know it's her shoe. Those right, are her shoes. You knew that. he puts on it, yeah. And I was totally blindsided. Like, I wasn't going to figure that out. And they foreshadowed it. Early in the movie, on second viewing, I watched They zoom in on the shoes of the first woman who's hung. I should have put it together and like oh wait yeah. they're zooming in on scarlet joe's shoes she's done for it it's, yeah and it's, and it's really I, I mean i i i did catch that that there were the shoes were going to play some importance i'm sad and again this is all heart there's so much mm-hmm. heart in this movie tiger Watita does such a good job of making something so innocuous like tying your shoelaces and dancing mm-hmm. like those are the two biggest callbacks that have places throughout this script because they mean so much to the individual characters you just dis- Distracted us from all the loving care of this wonderful parent and human being. Now, I, I did have something that I thought was going to happen at the end. Yeah. I thought the real Taika Waititi was going to show up at the end, this freedom fighter, returned home, flash forward a couple months, whatever. 
He did go AWOL, apparently. Like, you could piece that story together out there. He went AWOL from the German army. The mother says he's fighting the good fight. She phrases it the exact same way that he's phrasing it. Later on in the movie, somebody says something. I don't remember if it was Rockwell or McKenzie. Oh, it was McKenzie when they're out looking over the battle Mm -hmm. for Berlin. McKenzie tells him, Elsa tells him that your father is actually still fighting. He's going to come home after the war's over. And your mother just didn't want to tell you. Because your cover is that you're a Nazi fanatic. Hmm. But it doesn't matter because everybody is, so you're going to be okay. I, I thought that was fascinating. So I was expecting you know, his imaginary friend, to the real Taika Waititi, to come back as the father and be like, let's get the fuck out of here or something. Yeah, that, that kind of all went over my head. I, never, I thought the the storyline with the father was and Tom, we explained by later on by Thomas and Harker McKenzie after the murder attempt that mm-hmm. JoJo tries on her. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was... Basically, just them filling him in on your father. Your mother couldn't tell you what your father was up to because she right. needed to protect you. She needed you to be innocent because she knew if you knew, you would be hung, most likely, or done away with. Yeah. So that kid was not the best at hiding things. No, man, that's part of his yeah. character, right? right? Like, he was purposefully very emotional. I mean, for Christ, he couldn't hurt a rabbit. <laughs> you know, you talk about yeah. saving the bug He's and all 10. this He's stuff. 10. Right. I mean, they, he was a very innocent kid. And Again, that's even hammered even more so by Thomas and Arkham McKenzie talking in that powerful scene. We were having a, a back and forth. She's like, you're not a Nazi. Right. And, and it's one of the most powerful scenes in the movie The mother me. probably encouraged the, his fanaticism for the, all these reasons. Oh, yeah. She yeah, knew. Yeah, she knew. Yeah. And so she the, was the, playing the game. This cover is built in for JoJo. And even when JoJo's character changes, he still has that cover built in. So when the Gestapo arrive at the end of Act 2... That's quite the scene. There's a lo- loaded amount of subtext in there. Yeah, and plain text as well. I mean, Mackenzie's yeah. decision to, to to confront the Gestapo and cosplay as JoJo's dead sister right. instead of just playing and hiding and hoping they don't find her. That was a bold choice. I did think it was a little bit dirty pool to tell us after the fact, well, of course we didn't tell anybody your sister's dead during this wartime paperwork, nightmare, whatever. I, I mean, don't know how you get out of that otherwise, though, to be honest with you. I, mean, I how do you, agree. Yeah. They, they probably should have been more clever about that. I mean, that was a revelation after the fact. Yeah. In my mind, that's a glaring plot hole going in. Yeah, I could, I could agree with you. So, I mean, I, I, I didn't give it much thought because I think the big takeaway from that is that Mackenzie realizes that Sam Rockwell's character is covering for them. Right. And so I, I, I didn't even remember. I mean, but you're absolutely right. There's no mention of the sister before or after that fact. So you had two major bests. You had the attempted murder scene, which was a hell of a scene, and then the the big reveal of the mother's death. Yeah, so the mother's death comes first, and I think that's just a powerful scene overall. You're seeing Jojo, who's all movie long, having this inner struggle about being a 10-year-old boy Mm -hmm. and being a Hitler youth soldier Mm -hmm. who wants to fight the war and do away with the Jewish faith and Jewish people. And so we have this really this meeting of these two worlds where he's chasing this butterfly and we've been told all movie Jojo you're going to fall in love someday butterflies are going to feel your stomach it's going to be the sick nausea he's like why is everyone telling me this blah 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 he's getting it from Thomas and Arthur McKenzie he's getting it from his mother and so he's chasing this butterfly through the streets like an innocent you know 10 year old kid is supposed to do and he ends up coming across his mother's shoes. And I thought oh. it was just a very powerful, very heart-wrenching, Brutal. sad scene, oh. as my dog chooses to weigh in on the scene's heaviness for the second time. <laughs> uh, and that led to the next scene, which was this attempted murder scene. And I thought it brought up a lot of questions about the Hardcourt McKenzie's relation, Elsa's relationship with JoJo at that point, because yeah. she is very aware what he's feeling. Again, he wears it all over his face. Yeah. Great job by the actor. He's not hard to read. Right. And she's, she's very aware of what he's wants to do i guess even though he doesn't really want to do it and he knows he doesn't want to do it and she he's coming at her with this knife his hitler youth knife that's been made such a big deal about especially in the gestapo scene and going to try to kill her but he just kind of puts it in two centimeters in her shoulder and then drops to the floor and cries turning away now she kind of was talking suicidal in a way to scarlett joe's character earlier so maybe she just doesn't give an f right now could be could be i just thought that was fascinating how they drew this character of of Elsa. I, I, I What a great character. I mean, she is bullying the kid like an older sister in many ways oh, yeah. throughout the movie. And you're she's going along with all of the propaganda and the talking about, you know, the, the, the all the disgusting things that they're characterizing the, the Jewish people for. And she's going along with that. With the book, it becomes that hyperbolic discussion that, of course, the kid kind of realizes as they're going through it. How ridiculous this mm-hmm. stuff is because flesh and blood is sitting right before him. Yeah, Yorgi would have never him. written that book. Bu- that book. <laughs> yeah. He was aware of right from the get-go. But yeah, you're right. 
he, she was she was kind of placating him until he has this character arc that comes yeah. to completion. And that's also, I mean, it was hit on the nose a little bit. I don't think it's on the nose at all, but it was blatant for us in the two. Uh, today's the day I become a man at the beginning of the movie, going into sure. this Hitler Youth weekend. And at the end of it, today's the day I do what I can or do whatever you can, do the best His you can. His mother's words. Right. So that's the, the the whole arc in a nutshell in two quotes. I, did she fight him, do you think? Was there resistance on her part? Was she just going to let him do whatever he wanted to do in that moment? Because she doesn't put up much of a defense at all. I'll have to watch that scene again. I mean, she did she have her hands She puts her hands up there. there. So, she so was, how strong was she struggling? Yeah. We don't know. But I, I do think there's a lot of dimensions to her character. The fact that the boy that she kept referencing as her boyfriend, fiance, yeah. I forget his name. Nathan, I think. Nathan. Had been dead all along. That she knew he, he was dead all along, and, and, just, knew, and therefore knew JoJo was writing the letters. It was a clever twist. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, I, we figured she knew what was going sure. on, but the fact that, of course, she really knew everything mm-hmm. is is another fascinating wrinkle to the story because it, it paints her in a different light to me because she is angry at this little kid for being so brave. And that, I mean, the bullying that she does, I it wasn't like big sister, little brother at first. It, it was, was like. like you're persecuting oh. my people and fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, you're a exactly. Nazi and, and I'm going to hurt you. So there's an arc for her as well. Right. Is what yeah, I'm trying agree, to say. agree. Like, Holy hell, yeah. All kinds of implications. I, I love that. I, I'm surprised that I love the characterization and the script of this movie more than I love the comedy because some of my worst are just seems that were like lame and weren't funny and they were trying to be funny. Yeah, I just, yeah. It, well, what are, do you have some of these? Well, examples? the opening scene with that "Hail me, hail me," you could do better than that. I was like, "What the fuck? What are we doing? Why? It's not funny. We're just the the kids screaming Heil Hitler' twenty times in the first scene. In a meta way, it's kind of funny because of the it's so brazen." But it's not funny in that scene. I don't know. It didn't strike me funny. You weren't laughing either. I, don't I chuckled at the end when he gets out on the street and he's just like looking around like a crazy animal. The right. little kid. He's like, ah! I mean, that was. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, in the moment, it was. And yeah. he's throwing his hands right. up to everybody. As I imitate in the podcast studio right now, I got to check myself. This is why we God, can't go on video. Damn, this is why we can't go on video. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. This movie. Also, my confirmed Hitler follower. What the fuck? All right, look it. I, I think when Hitler, the imaginary friend Hitler, becomes like speech giving Hitler and Taika Watiti does this like imitation and it's just a it's a vicious imitation and it's just it's something that he's making weird faces. I think the, it comes from a place of hate and anger. It is. When that imaginary friend turns into the speech giving Hitler at the dinner table, you're like this is getting real. Yeah. And it need the movie needs to get real and it needs to get more serious because you got the big battle coming, which is a great sequence in yep. my opinion. And then like he nudges the table to like show that he's playfully mad at the kid. I'm like, why why even bother with that? I was just wondering if the hammer was gonna drop. Oh, see, I took movie. that totally differently. I took that the like the kicking of the table after the anger as like a, a commentary on Hitler being this gigantic pussy. Yeah. I thought that's what the character was being portrayed as, too. Like, he's so inoffensive if you were to confront him. Like, a, he's the biggest bully in the world. Yes, but he also killed millions of people. So he Because everyone listened to him. Right. I mean, like, he, like, you know, I, I, and again, I mean, he takes the coward's way out, quote unquote, right. by committing suicide, too, when he knows he's losing. I, he, If anybody wasn't a paper tiger, though, what, Hitler was not a paper tiger. He was blustering... Right, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying he wasn't a, a dangerous person or a vicious right. person. I, I'm saying he was portrayed in this movie as kind of like this gigantic coward. Well, he's portrayed in the movie as as a reflection of the kid, right? I mean, That's this true too. Yeah, the right. Kid's and the kid and the kid certainly was a scared kid at the beginning. And the hatred the kid has is a paper tiger. Yeah. I guess. I guess we can come to a conclusion that way, yeah. right? That makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm good fits. with that. I'm good with that. Psychological. Again, this movie's not that deep. <laughs> No, I don't think this is deep at all. But it I is really poignant. don't. I mean, but it's emotional, poignant. It's right. very, it's very professional, very well done. And the fact that we have these kind of, we come away thinking it's the good story it does. I'm just reaffirming my my screenplay stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I think this has to be nominated. I could see it getting nominated. I, am I going to say it has to be nominated because I like movies that a lot of people aren't buzzing about for right. this category. 
And I'm a little upset that my movies aren't going to be in here. <laughs> but we'll both read the novel, I guess. And yeah, well, that's a good thing that we pulled away from this with, uh, for certain. But we certainly, as always, uh, we want to know your thoughts. Let's give our final grades here, Michael. We have a movie that we're both kind of impressed by how emotional it is, kind of how professional and done it was, the tightrope it was able to walk. We have some faults. We have some things we're not too happy about. Where do we fall at the end of the day with a final grade? So I am a B-plus 88, yeah. which is the same grade I gave Shape of water which is a point higher than green book from last year i think i think i docked green book back down another point Mm -hmm. after seeing it a second time or two or back down to a regular b so i'm afraid of giving this the grade i'm giving it because i don't think it's the best picture of the year i don't think it's in my top five at the end of the year but i liked it yeah um I disagree. I think it is in my top five right now. Is it really? I think it is. I really, really like it. I had an 88 B+, and then I started getting teary-eyed at the end when the two kids start dancing to We Can Be Heroes, uh, the David Bowie yeah, song. So I like that. I bumped it up another point. I, I mean, look, movies are supposed to make you feel, right? And mm-hmm. I haven't felt a lot of movies this year. I felt a lot in this one. Uh, that's, I hold it in high regard. I hope I'm not wrong. I hope I don't look back at this review and want to chastise myself for feeling this way and something comes out about the production that you know i i I was blind to because of my own life and i apologize if that's the case but right now it's an 89 b plus for me i'm very very high on it i think that's maybe like the fourth highest grade i've given this year you talked yourself up and i to be fair i i added a point upon rewatch so i do think good i do think the movie is something that is is very lovable lovable all that being said we might be missing some shit, and yeah, because of who we are, right? Exactly. We don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. And look, we also if you want to be... fill us in on it, yeah. we want you to fill us in on it. We want to know if we're being blind to something through our life experiences that we have. We just haven't had the chance to experience. We want you to tell us. That's part of the reason we do all this and open up and have these avenues of communication with we all have you guys. Clenched hiney holes. We're afraid <laughs> that people are offended by this movie, and therefore they will be offended that we're not offended. Exactly. So we really are in a little liberal bubble of offense. Like Jojo Rabbit said, we're just doing our best. <laughs> Guys, we do, sincerely and all, genuinely, we want to hear from you and your thoughts about this movie. Uh, whether you agree, disagree, etc., whatever, got to fill us in on something, want to hear all of it. You can leave us those comments, questions, thoughts, concerns, as well you can comment on anything we do here in the MMO Empire. We want to hear about any kind of feedback from you. Leave us those at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, including and especially Apple podcast so if you own an iphone just happen to use apple podcast or use itunes if you can go to your podcast app that little purple square with the white uh I guess we'll call Jojo. it an American flag. It's the most inoffensive way to go about it. Sticking out of the middle of it there, that flagpole yeah. sticking yeah. out in the middle. You're uh, just going to say penis one of these days. Absolutely. Without because question. Always, uh, Toe the line. <laughs> Toe the line. Uh, tap on that. Go to the search. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar and submit. You'll be able to tap on our logo. We're still dressed up in our Halloween costumes, at least right. as of today's recording. Yeah, well, that might change, change in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tap on our logo. Scroll down once. Give us five stars. We'll take literally the quarter of the length for you to actually do that and give us five stars than it did for me to describe the process. Thank you for all of you who have, all of you who will. You, Michael, yes. what is coming up from MMO and what are some words of wisdom we can add on? So we're going to cover Harriet in one way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. We don't know if we're going to do it in a full OSP. We're going to see the movie first. We're yes. going to see the movie this weekend. Uh, it might be just something we review for 20 minutes on Oscar Race Checkpoint, which is our weekly award season news and variety show. We're yeah. having a blast with that. We just put out another one this week. Uh, we uh, have MMO Weekly, which is more kind of popular films and the, the rest of Hollywood and then the news thereof. But we do cover some Oscar stuff on those as well. We covered the Golden Globe submissions this past week. Yeah, the preference preferences. Right. <laughs> which is... Just awesome. That's Hollywood, baby. It's the studio's preference. Preference. (laughs) But it was 10 minutes of good banter from us, I think. It was fun to talk about. We we get we we scoff at these things and yet we're very happy to talk about them. Well, we're not men of principle. I've said that about myself for a while, and you're finally coming over to I it. I think that's the wisdom <laughs> of the episode: is that we're all just hypocrites. Shells, just we're trying all to fucking hypocrites. Get nobody, the day. <laughs> nobody is completely righteous at all. There's your wisdom. But look, I mean, if you like this episode, hopefully we we do some more we do some deeper dives. This, this isn't is the not, last we're going to talk about this right. movie. But this isn't the deepest dive we've done. I mean, right. we have we do some movie uh, reviews where we've seen it three or four times. 
I saw it last night. I saw it again this morning with you, and we reviewed it. We didn't take any time to prepare for it's it. true. So this one was just like off-the-cuff immediate reactions. We got a lot of Oscar uh, Sprint Profile movie reviews out there. We got a lot of movie event reviews out there. I think there's like 30 this year. We've been reviewing a ton of movies. Yeah. We, we got all those Halloween movies we did, the retrospectives, the Joker character study, uh, the Halloween franchise rewatch that we did last year, of course, the other two rewatches we did this year between Pixar and Tarantino. I think those play at any moment. I think those are thoroughly Certainly well for reasoned. award season, yeah. yeah. So I think if I can get another word of wisdom in. Please do. Look at our back catalog, <laughs> and there's an episode for everybody. Yeah. That's and, true. We try to. That's certainly one of our goals here, and we try to uh, do extenuate to that and be very cognizant of everybody listening. So yeah. we're trying to please all of you. And that's the thing: <laughs> if we didn't offend you by not being offended this episode, then you might love us. Yeah. And also, if we didn't offend you this episode, there's a high chance we did another one anyway. <laughs> so true. it's both sides of every coin. But give us those clicks <laughs> leading up to the point where we do offend you. That would be we'd much appreciated. Uh, guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies and any other one with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you very soon. Thank you.